Welcome to Harmony Beats Balance. Today's special guest and someone I consider a friend is Janet Miller Evans. I don't want to tell you what she does. I want to tell you who she is. She can tell you what she does. It's important. It's vital. She has so many accomplishments. She's incredibly well-rounded. Most importantly, who she is is someone that can teach you, dear listeners, about keeping it real, getting it with empathy, and figuring out why in the world we're struggling so hard and complicating so much the topic of race and racism. Welcome, Janet. Hi, Dana. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Long time coming. We've wanted to be together on this show. Yes, we have. And we've talked about a lot of different topics. And I appreciate you saying that you'd like for me to share on this topic because you think that I have something valuable to contribute. And I know you do. So in in the honor of keeping it real, you said something to me just now on our pre-show about people complicate the topic and the feeling and the emotion surrounding race. Why do do we do that? I do it. Why do we do it, Janet? Set us straight. We do it because it's emotional. And there are certain emotions that we believe that we've labeled to be either good or bad. And when it comes to race, we view those are the emotions we don't want to talk about or we don't want to deal with or we don't want to face. What are they? Fear, shame, blame, and guilt. Ooh. So when, when you look at those things and you look at the subject of race, which, by the way, let me be real clear. Race is not real in the sense of when we're talking about humans. It's just not real. The challenge we have is because we continue to talk in those terms, we give it life. So When we talk about race, remembering how this came to be, it's by design. And the design, a part of the design is to make it appear complicated. It's layered, but it's not real complicated. At the end of the day, when we're talking about the term race, which moves and slides into racism, when we're talking, it's not complicated. It is the marginalization and subjugation of a group of people based on, in this country, more than anything, it's the color of their skin. However, it can be anything that gives the dominant group or any group who perceive to have the power and want to keep that power, they can label it anything. And as you can see in race, we've done so. We sure Um, have over many, many, many years in history and throughout that's what's been going on without identifying actually, which you've just done in three minutes, what is the actual root cause? So would you tell our listeners again, what you said about that definition? Race is defined as a group of people and they're labeled by a group of people, we call it for lack of a better term, a dominant group of people who choose to create labels in order to maintain power. And let me give you an example of that. Uh, We've just come off of AAPI Heritage Month. 
And think about that. Asian. Is Asian a race? Asia is a continent. <laughs> I'm called black. That's the color of my skin. I'm called African-American. That's a, a continent and a country because they're talking about the United States of America. They're not talking about the continents of North and South America. Uh, we talk about Latino or Hispanic. Well, we know the word Hispanic was created during the Ronald Reagan administration. And uh, when we talk about that, what countries are we talking about? So are we calling races by country, by color of skin, by nationality, by ethnic identification? What is race? It's right now, whatever the dominant group determines that it will be and whatever term sticks. That lets you know something is amiss. This isn't really real. And I have to say this, uh, Dana, one of my favorite phrases, um, it, it was a movie years ago, but I call it the world according to Janet. So everything we're saying here is qualified as the world according to Janet. So in the world according to Janet, I want to go back to the four key words that you used of blame, shame, fear, and guilt. Blame, shame, fear, and guilt. Why can't we get past it, Janet? What is this roadblock in our way? Is it passed down generationally? Is it something you're simply born with and it's osmosis? Like, why does this continue to exist? If it isn't complicated and you've just myth busted a bunch of pieces around race, why are we having such a hard time moving past it? Because we're all human. That's the commonality between all of us, you and me and the rest of the humans. Emotions bring up, you know, they're chemicals. And they start in our, our brain and our hippocampus and they move throughout our body and they attach and they form and they get, they swell. And unless we break that, we are going to get into states of emotional hijack. I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'll lose something. I'm afraid someone will get ahead of me. I'm afraid someone might hurt me. That's the fear, the shame. I know this is wrong, but I'm ashamed to admit that I'm a part of the problem. The guilt. I know that I have done some things wrong and actually taken actions, and now I feel guilty. And who wants to show up and be guilty? The key thing is we all, as humans, we want to belong. And when we look at those four things I mentioned, it can lead us to a sense of out, being on the out and not belonging. So that's why I think it persists. And the other reason, again, is we give life to it. It's hard for me. It is very difficult for me to say that I, to say anything other than I am an American, because that's what I am. I, I know if you look at me and you understand what history has said, 
that I have roots from some countries in Africa, but not all Africans are of my skin color and would be considered black. So if to me, this would take years, but if we move away from referring to any of the 19 races that are listed on the US census of 2020, if you look, if we get away from those categories and just start viewing each other as human and celebrating our accomplishments all year long as human beings and what we've accomplished, I think that's how we could get away from it. And because we're all humans, the irony continues. If we were coming at race from a place of humanity, we wouldn't be talking about race if I understand what you're trying to educate us on correctly. Yes, uh, that's how I would would share it with you. And um, you mentioned something about, as we were talking in the pre-show, about minorities. And that's another thing, uh, the fear of who is and who isn't a minority. And you checked me hard in the right way. And this is why I consider you a friend, because you tell me the truth and you do it with honesty and you do it with compassion, which is not easy for people to do. And so I will never be, no matter what island I live on and what color my skin is as white, I will never be anything but the majority, in essence. I will never be a minority. It doesn't matter that I'm a woman. It doesn't matter that there aren't that many, quote unquote, Haole or white people on the islands of Hawaii where I've chosen to live. It's on me to ingratiate myself, to humble myself, to learn about the culture, to connect with people. It's on me because I'm not the minority and I won't be. And I appreciate you reminding me of that. I do. Dana, um, I appreciate what you said. And I really want to take a point and make a point of clarification on that. Technically, in terms of numbers, in terms of your birthright and domestication on the island of Hawaii, you could be considered a minority. However, in the context of race, as America has defined it, you are not and will not be viewed as a minority. Yes. So it's the context of the words we're using and, and, and the situation that frames the definition. And in the case of you experiencing that being the outer on the island of Hawaii, it is still a part of the domestication that we have, that people who look like you and who have your birth origin are in the dominant group in this country. And and notice I keep framing that in in, in context because there's different contexts and that's what makes it layered. I choose not to say complicated because when we say it's complicated, people get frustrated, um, disillusioned, despair, throw their hands up, oh, let's don't deal with it. And that's what's been happening. So it's layered and we have to unpack layers. Yes. And do something. If I understand everything you have taught me in our relationship, do something. It's, it's just so much better than nothing. Yeah. 
it make is an attempt. In, and, and I have to make this point of when you asked me to talk about race, I have to ask you, why is it that you aren't educating me about race? Why is it that the person who is considered the, a part of the disadvantaged or a marginalized group asked to talk about race? And I know I can ask you that question because we're candid with each other. Absolutely. And I am encouraging Janet, and she'll tell you at the end of the show how to reach her. And I suggest you do. If this topic has helped any of you who are listening, either podcast or radio, to address your own issues, either from you or toward you on blame, shame, guilt, and fear surrounding the quote unquote topic of race, I urge you to reach out for Janet because Janet has a book inside of her beautiful soul. And we want her to write her book because what she said to me is so unique compared to all the other people in my circle who do diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And I've talked about this on my show before. I am white. I do not do that work. I refer that work out to women in particular and friends of color because that's who needs to be teaching, educating, and elevating communities around diversity, equity, and inclusion. No one as brilliant as some of these people are, and as much as they're making impact and doing good work in the world, no one but Janet, no one has said to me that racism is emotional. It's emotional. And that's why I want Janet to have more exposure on my show. And I want Janet to be more empowered and encouraged to write that book because we need the new lens to be able to accept that it isn't complicated. It's simple. And we have to start by accepting that it's emotional. So did that answer your question? In some ways, let the, again, if I may challenge you and all of my friends and all of you are listening who are in this country viewed in the dominant group of white, we need you to become educated and become the teachers because we are the ones who are experiencing this. And no matter how we share it, there's a point where defensiveness, whether we are or not, will set in in the mind of the listener or that we're asking you to do something for us repeatedly over and over. And why don't we stop talking about it? We need you talking about it. We need you sharing the stories. Let's talk about that blame, shame, fear, you know, and guilt. Is that why? You can't lead those discussions. And I'm asking a rhetorical yeah. question. I'm not asking you to answer it, Dana, but I'm asking you to really search your soul and think about it. Because marginalized groups didn't create this concept. We didn't continue to have the concept grow and grow. And we would love to see the concept dispelled, but we are not the creators of it. We don't own it. Therefore, we cannot eradicate it. Yes. Yes. So in a way, we've done this on a previous show. It would be my wish for my audience to take a pledge or make an oath 
or take responsibility. If you, like me, which is why this topic is on this show multiple times in multiple ways with people that I consider to be the most helpful and communicative, connecting types of people who are going to help people that are struggling with marginalizing others, even unintentionally. Unintended consequences still have an impact. They still hurt people. They still prolong what's happening. And even if you don't mean it, it doesn't matter. If you're someone who is marginalizing another human, I want this show to wake us up enough that we're aware we're doing it and that we begin to stop. I am not going to pretend you're going to flip a light switch and overnight, if you're someone who marginalizes others, you're simply going to stop because you listen to a show where Janet, a very empathic expert, talks to us. It's not going to happen. That's unrealistic. What might happen, and my wish that would happen, is that you would DM us on the show. You would tell us how you did. You would try it. You might fall down. You get back up. We pick you up. I will continue to share my stories about going for it and falling flat on my face. I'm the work in progress. And I will also tell you where I've had some success so that you can learn from what works and what doesn't. I'm always happy to expose myself first. And that's where it begins. We have to humble ourselves, listen, and try. Just try and try and try and stop marginalizing other humans. So tell us, Janet, you witness a lot of this type of work happening inside companies, if that's a fair way to say it. Uh, yes, I, I witnessed it. I lived it. I worked for companies for 30 years, uh, Fortune 100 companies. And I I saw and experienced the uh, marginalization, the sense of, of, of um disconnection, not belonging, psychological safety, all those things. And and I have I want to be candid. I do not necessarily specialize in DNI work. And the reason I don't is because I don't view DNI as a one-off. I don't believe I can take this thing off that's happening uh, as it associated it is associated with race in America. I incorporate DNI tools and strategies within my executive leadership and team coaching, because I believe that this it should be integrated into the mainstream of coaching and 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 leadership, not one-off DNI training sessions. You get the before you know. I'm old enough to know when you had them in the black and white binders that you put on the shelf. You may get a blue one if you were lucky, uh, or now you can file it in the cloud. That's not what this work is about. And so I don't specialize in just doing that work. So you mentioned if someone contacted me, they would contact me in the uh, context of leadership and executive coaching and team coaching, because I believe if we change teams and one at a time and help people understand how to work together, that's what's important. Yesterday, um, was the start of a new month. And in America, again, we have a month for everything. And it ended the AAPI yes. uh, month. We had Black History Month. Well, I had the 
honor and the privilege to facilitate a panel on dismantling the witch and building the bridge. And it was a focus with AAPI community and Black community. That's where the work begins. And this was with employees of, a, of an organization, starting the dialogue, having the courage to unpack how did we get to pitting, quote unquote, minority groups against each other? Um, again, marginalized groups. And you'd be amazed at the similarities of the tactics that are used, that were used from, from um, individuals from Asian countries. Again, they are not a monolith. There's, I think, over 50 Asian countries. And Blacks, we're not a monolith. We come from many different countries. But how we use this, this thing called race to keep all of the groups divided, to keep one group in power. Now, as human beings, we know, you know, we're in the animal kingdom. There's a hierarchy, you know, there's a hierarchy of animals and they know their groups and, and, and um, the areas that they, you know, the animals that they belong with. And I'm, I'm really being careful and mindful not to use the word tribe. But they, they, they know that. And we as human beings are like that too. There is a hierarchy. So there will be humans vying for power and dominance. The question of race is it's based on the color of skin or the looks of someone. That's what we're talking about eradicating. Have you seen what your teaching holistically, which I always encourage with other coaches to, to deal with leadership and then have the topics underneath that support that leader to be a humanity-based authentic leader? Because that's their responsibility. Oh, by the way, have you seen it work, Janet, where you start to break down the barrier, you, the wedge and therefore the bridge? Have you seen it work? And if so, would you tell us a, a quick story about either where or how so listeners can start to get their head and heart around applying some of the wisdom? Where I, in, in a case where I've seen it work, it's where the leader modeled the behavior of inclusion, where the leader was vulnerable enough to share their story and had the courage enough to allow the employees to share their stories because it begins with that. It begins with understanding and how we understand is knowing somebody's background, knowing their story, taking the time to, to say, yes, we're gonna get to the bottom line. This is all about return on investment. This is all about business, but in doing so, let me get to know you better. Let the group, let the team members get to know each other better. Because as they say, you can paraphrase, people buy from people they know and like, people work with, people do for, people collaborate with people they know and like. They don't have to be just like them, but they have to know and like them. Yes. So and if and if the leader leads by example, right. which again, we talk about leadership a lot on this show, 
it's not about title. It's not about age. It's not about gender. It's not about where you are in the world or the country. It's about an action that you take. Leadership is an action, not it's about behavior. Yes. And modeling that behavior, it becomes contagious. And most people follow a leader and they follow their leader. So what they see their leader doing, in many cases, they do. So that behavior is contagious. And your word is right. It is action. Behavior is an action. So before we have to wrap, Janet, this needs to be a three-part show, honestly. This is just scratching the surface on a topic that you have so much to share and teach us all about. I want you to get something in return for spending your time. I want you to ask the listeners to do the one thing. What's the one thing you would encourage them to do? The one thing I would encourage them to do is to lean into their empathy or their empathetic gene so that they can receive the story, so they can hear the stories, so they can ask about the story. Just asking, who are you? Not your name, not your title, not where you're from, just who are you? And how can I be a support to you. And for those of you working for someone you consider to be the leader in your life, either at work or even the leader in your home, if there is one, or your neighbor or in community or at church or wherever you show up, I would encourage you to take Janet's questioning and apply it and just feel what happens. There's the empathy. Many leaders Many CEOs, for example, no one ever asks them that question. No one takes the time because there's always this assumption that they're too busy. They will think of it as weak. There's all these assumptions. We've got to break down these assumptions and simplify things. And when it comes to race, we've learned today, it's emotional. And the emotions of fear and blame and shame and guilt We've talked about those on this show for almost two years. They will not serve to uplift humanity. Dana, may I ask one more thing? So I'm going to ask two things, please. And that is that you replace the word we with I. If each of you can replace the word we with I. I must, I will, I can. Because when we go to the we, sometimes it can lead us to believe that it's someone else's responsibility, that someone else has got this when no one has it. Yeah. And that's what happens with this thing called race. And we're trying to eradicate racism. No one has it. It's floating out there in the universe. It's like bubbles. You know, you, you blow bubbles and nobody can catch them. So when you say I, you're owning it. You're stepping into it. You're having that emotional reaction. I can see it. I can feel it right now. But that's powerful. Yeah. It's, it's why you're on this show and why you're keeping it real and why you're holding us accountable. So I will continue to promote your work and support you 
I believe in you and we need you as humanity. I will continue to tackle topics like this on this show. If one person makes the change and takes an I responsibility for demystifying and for not marginalizing others, that's success. That's it. That's how we start. So I will take the Janet commitment. My dear listeners, we would like to know how you're doing with this. You might struggle. You probably will. It's okay. You start from a place of personal ownership. And Janet, the guest, always gets the final word. So bring us home. Keep it more real than maybe even the last 30 minutes. (laughs) Tell us the last thing and how to reach you, please. I know listeners will want to be able to talk to you more about this critical, critical topic. So how do they reach you? And final word is yours. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for the opportunity to share some of the thoughts in the world, according to Janet. And my final words, race is a myth. Race is a myth. It is not real. It can be dismantled and eradicated. Each of us has to make an I statement of I will be a part of that solution of eradicating racism as a result of race. I am Janet Miller Evans. I'm going to spell that J-A-N-E-T-M-I-L-L-E-R-E-V-A-N-S. And you can reach me on LinkedIn. Please follow me. Janet, we will be following you. Bottom of my heart. Thank you. Mahalo, mahalo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.